our sermon scripture from Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payments be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sarah. That's a prop. It made its entrance. Good morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is great to be with you. I thought I echoed for a second. Um, everyone, C.S. Lewis says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Does that ring true? Everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. We are in a series um, called Becoming Good at People. And what we're looking at is we're looking at the reality that, that Jesus was the best at people. And when we say the best at people, we're really talking about being the kinds of people who are going to love their neighbors as themselves, who are going to be living out practices of relating that are connected to the heart of God and to the, the very call of the gospel that we claim and that we proclaim. And so we've spent some time walking through areas of the power of curiosity, and we've talked about, about comforting when it's needed. We've talked about receiving, being the kind of people who are going to be vulnerable enough and humble enough to receive when we're in need. We've talked about the, the gift of, of the power of, of, uh, of hospitality, of radical, ordinary hospitality. And last week, Steve walked us through the power of confessing, what it means to come and confess to one another. And today, we're going to spend some time talking about the power of forgiveness. Forgiving graciously. So this morning we're going to look at it under three headings. Uh, the first is, uh, what is it? What in the world is forgiveness? Um, second is, how does it work? And third, why do we do it? I mean, really, why do we do it? All right, so what is forgiveness? Well, let's first talk about what forgiveness is not, because that's particularly helpful. Forgiveness is not, it's not a denial that what happened it's not passing it off as something being okay or not a big deal. Forgiveness is also not letting someone off the hook. 
and saying that it, it didn't really affect us when it did, especially if we don't like conflict. It's also not unconditional trust. Forgiveness is not unconditional trust without boundaries, and forgiveness is not justifying or accepting any kind of brokenness or dysfunction or sinful behavior over and over again. That's not what, sin ref uh, that what uh, forgiveness is. So what is it? Well, first of all, you're going to love this first one. First of all, forgiveness is a commandment. A commandment. Jesus commands us to forgive, which means that if you're going to follow Jesus, well, you're going to have to do what he says. The Apostle Paul, of course, reaffirms it over and over in the epistles. But look at Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. Now, it doesn't apply to only when you're standing and praying, just so we're clear, y'all who find loopholes. That's not what this is saying. It's saying whenever you find yourself realizing that what? It says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. So that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. This is pretty serious, and I begin here because I think this is where a lot of the weight of it comes down to you and for you. The question is this, is are you going to forgive because Jesus says it alone? Is that enough? Is that enough for us? We're going to talk about the how and its implications and how it changes and impacts us, but the question that I had to wrestle with this week was, is it enough? Is it enough that Jesus says you, you must forgive? Do it because I said so. Your Father in heaven forgives you. Did you catch the end of the parable there? Verse, 20, verse 35, Jesus says something that I think should make us all go like, Ugh. verse 35, he says, and so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Now, just to be clear, the, the scriptures are very clear about forgiveness. You don't earn forgiveness. You don't get forgiveness and then lose forgiveness. What Christ accomplished on the cross has covered your sins and your trespasses, no doubt about it. But the experience of forgiveness, and some of you are still walking around not feeling very forgiven, the experience of being forgiven, experiencing the reality of the grace of God through His Spirit, if you do not forgive, Scripture seems to say you won't experience that. You won't know that. It won't get inside and it won't give you the freedom that you're longing for and the impact that we're longing to see in the lives of others. We must forgive. It's a commandment. So my question to you is just kind of one of those, like, let's take on the reality. Is that enough? Could I just be like, and let us pray and, and step down and we all praise the Lord? Is that enough? Because, because it must be. Now, there's more. So that's the good news. There's more, but I just want you to know, like, I think this is one place to really wrestle with it. Is it enough for Jesus to have told you, you must forgive wherever you stand or sit or move, regardless of the offense? So what is forgiveness? Well, the second thing that forgiveness is, is that it's free. Forgiveness is free. My good buddy Tim Keller says it this way. We got a couple Tim Kellers today. It's been a minute. We were due. So just from two different books, though, so it's like two totally different things. Um, but Tim says this. He says, mercy and forgiveness must be free and unmerited to the wrongdoer. If the wrongdoer has to do something to merit it, then it isn't mercy. But forgiveness always comes at the cost to the one granting the forgiveness. Do you hear that? Forgiveness is free, 
to the one who forgiveness is granted to. But there is a cost. This is how forgiveness works. This is, this is the cost of forgiveness. And I just want to say this thing is heavier than it looked. This is the cost of forgiveness, right? It's, oh my goodness, this is heavy. Okay. We're going to use this just from here. <coughs> I have the smaller guy, but we're, we're going to use that later. So this is the cost of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a weight. It is a cost, right? And the metaphor, the picture, the, the parable that Jesus is using, he's using an amount, right? It's quantitative. And you know this, right? You've had small offenses done to you, and you've had large offenses done to you. So there's a, there's a sense of size and of volume and of, and of weightiness. There's a certain kind of cost. And what forgiveness is at its essence is me giving up the right to hurt you for you hurting me. That's what forgiveness is. It's me giving up the right for me to hurt you for you having hurt me. That's forgiveness. It's giving up the sense of giving up the sense of entitlement to wound, to reject, to betray, to damage, or to slander you for you having done so to me. Forgiveness is paying the emotional debt of pain which you have inflicted on me for you. That's forgiveness. I'll never forget, there was a time, this is before FPU, for Becky and I, and um, we fought about money. It was just one of those things we just fought about on a pretty regular basis. Um, you know, I think, uh, doesn't, he, doesn't uh, Ramsey say that there's a nerd and a free spirit? I'll give you three guesses to guess who won, who's the nerd in the relationship. Like, I'm the like, hey, there's a way to do this. There's a, right? Becky is the free spirit in our relationship. By the way, I have permission to tell this story. So <laughs> for those of you that are like, uh-oh. Um, so, um, so we had this moment, and this is about, Again, this is pre-FPU, so this is about 15 years or so ago. We'd, we'd fought a decent amount about this over the years, so about 10, 12 years into our marriage, maybe 15. And um, I'll never forget, she, we're downstairs, I know exactly where we were, and she tells me about a, an, what I'll call an unauthorized purchase, um, which is a purchase that she made thinking maybe I wouldn't know, and then she realized she had to tell me, and, and it was outside of our budget, and we were kind of on a budget at the time. Um, we're, our budget still, but we were like, a budget, you know, you know budget. Um, I was so mad. Uh, this is definitely one of those, like, 70 times 7, you know? Like, how many times, Lord? Like, more than you think. And I just, I'll never forget. I'm, seriously, I'm sitting there, and I am feeling all of the debt of pain, right? All the emotional debt of pain. It's like, it's not just this time, it's the other time, and I'm, I'm feeling betrayed, and I'm feeling, like, let down. It makes me scared. And all these emotions are, and Becky just looks at me, and he's like, man, I've got nothing. Like, like will you forgive me? And I, I, I think I'm, I'm using this illustration because I've never felt the transfer. Uh, hold on. We're going to use this one because it's just too hard. Okay. I've never felt the transfer from Becky to me of something so tangible and so palpable. I suddenly realized it was no longer on her. With those words, will you forgive me for this? I have nothing. I realized, oh, no, it, it's, it's now mine. It came on to me, right? It landed in my lap. It was now mine to deal with. The emotional debt of pain was on me. And I could retaliate, make her pay, and it was there. And I'll never forget sitting there with the Lord and being like, this is it, right, Lord? I've just been reading through a bunch of stuff about forgiveness. And I was like, oh, this is, this is the moment where it's like, oh, I pay. I pay for this, not, not her. I don't make her pay. We're grateful for FPU, um, but I'm really grateful for that moment because I don't know that I, I, I can always go back to that moment 
of feeling, experiencing the transfer and being invited by God to choose, to choose to pay for her. So forgiveness is not for the faint of heart. It's not an exercise for the weak, right? It's not weakness. Oh, you know, the weak people, they forgive. The strong people, they hold grudges. That's not how it works. It's powerful, and it takes courageous battle for your own life to choose to forgive. It's true for your friendships, for your marriages, and it's true for those of us that are going to live in community with one another because we will wound and hurt one another. So what is forgiveness? It's me choosing to not hurt you for you hurting me. It's me taking on the emotional debt of pain that you caused me for your sake, for my sake, and for the Lord's sake. Okay, so that, that's great. So that's forgiveness. Super easy, right? I know you got it now. But how does it work? This is the good news. It's probably not or maybe not the way you think it's worked all along. It's like, okay, great. I'll just simmer long enough and eventually time will pass and I won't be angry anymore, right? Is that, is that some of you guys were trained in forgiveness? It's like just let enough time pass and I won't be as angry about it and eventually everything will be okay. How many people like that's familiar territory? Does that work? Does it ever come back? I mean, later or, or, the, or the next time? Is it, does it show up with, with the next time? Well, usually it does. At least it does and did in me. So how do we forgive? What does the process of forgiveness look like? Well, I believe there's, forgiveness has an order. There is an order to it. And I'm particularly indebted, and this is one of those, like, frameworks that's helped me over the years um, from, from a guy named uh, John Lynch. Uh, he wrote a book called The Cure. And uh, this, this process that he walks through has really helped me frame it. Um, so let me walk you through it. Step one is admitting that something happened. Now, some of you guys um, are, the, are like professional stuffers, you know? Like you get poof, hit with an emotional debt of pain, and you're like, that wasn't so bad. I got this. And you just kind of put it in your back pocket, and you just kind of keep moving. Some of us are not stuffers. We're retaliators. And, and so we never get a chance to realize just how much it hurt us because we just retaliated so quickly. We make sure they got hurt too. But if we're not going to retaliate, then we must acknowledge that something happened. The wound was real. It's not that it shouldn't bother me anymore. It happened. And if you're like, yeah, I know I'm kind of past it. If that's in your vocabulary, then, then, then that it is the thing that's going to come back. It's going to show up again. You see, we cannot forgive until we admit that we've been sinned against. We cannot forgive until we admit and acknowledge the reality that indeed something wrong was perpetrated against us. And for some of us, that's easy. And for some of us, that's very difficult. There's usually a lot at stake. We have to admit the reality that it is indeed true. So step one is just acknowledging, yes, you know what, that happened, and it hurt, and it was wrong, and, and, I, and it's cost me. But step two is actually a little bit broader than that. It's to prepare by engaging the consequences of what was done against me. I'm going to prepare by engaging the magnitude, the reality of what was done against me. See, oftentimes the consequences of, of someone's sin against us are larger than the act itself. Right? There, there's the... There's the pebble that drops in the water, but then there's the ripple effect. There's the implications, the, the dynamics that unfold in us following that time. There's not just the moment, but there's the loss of reputation, or maybe there's a loss of, of friendship. 
that comes from it, or finances, maybe a position, maybe it's just the, the, the end of a dream. This marks the beginning of when we started getting angry or we started holding resentment, when none of, we weren't able to make friends anymore or be connected into our peer group, and maybe addiction surfaced. So what happened because of what happened in us? Because oftentimes, it's, it's, the, it's the moment, right? It's, it's he left, and, and then I blank, right? It's she lied about me, and then all these things changed. And so, so what, what, what we're invited into is to say, okay, something happened, but, but more than just the thing, oftentimes there's, there's more. There's the ripple effects. There's the broad dynamics of it. Judas betrayed Jesus, right? The ripple effects were enormous, right? It wasn't just that he took 30 coins of silver and turned them over and said he's going to be in the garden. The ripple effects were enormous, and you know what those are like. Some of you are still living out the ripple effects of decisions your dad made when he walked out the door. Betrayal you've experienced. So we have to look at the whole thing, and, and I, I, this is a very important thing. We, we grieve and we mourn in the particulars. A lot of us think about that we just kind of generally mourn. No, no. So we forgive in the particulars too, which means that we need to look at the totality of it, the totality of it. And this might mean for some of us actually writing this down. Oh, by the way, forgiveness is really hard work, which is why most of us don't do it. We like to sweep things under the rug. doesn't stop there. We write down, we figure out, okay, what's the totality of what this sin costs? Not just the moment, but the breadth of it. And then step three, we tell God what happened to us. We tell God what happened to you. Pour out your heart to God. This is not just for emotional people. This is not about a wallowing. This is not, uh, this is not um, wailing on our beds. This is crying out to God. It doesn't have to be pretty, and it doesn't have to be eloquent. It can be messy, and it can be angry, and it can be loud. But you talk to God, and you process with God what has happened. There's not a certain magical amount of time, and there's not a certain magical process, a particular form. But you talk to God about all of it. It must, it doesn't have to be done at a particular time, but it does need to be everything. It needs to be all of it. Get it all out. Now, I, I say um, tell God what happened to you is not the same as tell your friends what happened to you, right? Or, or tell your coworkers. Or get a Facebook ad out. No, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't process some of these kinds of things with wise people. We're going to point you to God, right? That's what some of the mentoring stuff we're talking about. It's inviting you to be able to point you towards God, no doubt about it. But you tell God about it. Move towards him with it. And good things happen. Andrea Seau, um, actually, I think it's Andrea Sue Peterson. Um, she writes, forgiveness, this, is, this phrase, just take a minute. Forgiveness is a brutal mathematical transaction done with fully engaged faculties. Let me just stop there for a second. What she's saying is forgiveness is this brutal mathematical, and she'll explain why in a minute with fully aware and engaged faculties, like full reality. Reality is your friend, looking at the totality of it. This, ma this brutal mathematical transaction 
It's my pain instead of yours. I eat the debt. I absorb the misery I want to dish out on you, and you go scot-free. That's what she says. She says, beware, she says. The forgiveness that is tendered soon after injury, be suspicious. Real forgiveness needs a time lag, for it is wrought in private agony before it ever comes to public amnesty. All true acts of courage are thus done in secret. See what she's saying? She's saying, if you're going to look at the totality of it, of what was done against you, the 10,000 talents type of pain and sense that you have, it has to be the whole thing, and it has to be with God, and it has to be done in secret has to be done processing that with him, talking to him honestly about it with him, which leads to step four, and that is forgive the offender for your benefit and for God's honor. Forgive the offender for your benefit and for God's honor. It says that um, the king felt compassion, he forgave the debt, and there was a release. And so we forgive the offender, for our benefit and for the honor of God. You see, there's this vertical transaction that has to be made before there can ever be a horizontal one. We first must come to process this with God and before God and forgive the offender for what he's done and for all the consequences of what have happened from this. It's between God and us for our sake and for his honor. And the order is important. Not I'll, I'll, forgive, I'll forgive someone when they finally really realize the magnitude of how much they've hurt me. It's not when they finally come and maybe grovel enough on their knees and declare to me and ask me for their forgiveness, then I'll forgive them. That's not how it works. It's as you stand praying, not when they come repenting. You forgive from the heart with God. And here's the thing, if you don't take this step, and if you don't experience the cleansing and the healing before God, and if you don't hear that and experience that from God, then it is impossible for you to approach the offender without seeking to extract your pound of flesh from them. It's, it's almost impossible. Not if you're going to really look at it, not if you're really going to relate honestly. The offender is going to get what's coming to them, and you're going to approach with bitterness and resentment. Therefore, and I think we got to see this and hear this from John this morning, that, 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 fit, that, um, that forgiveness is granted before it is felt. Forgiveness is granted before it is felt because it is processed with the Lord first. Which means you're not going to miss it. I love John saying, I woke up the next morning, I thought I'd feel different. I didn't feel different but I did it because God said I should do it. I believe that's the first step. Now, does this take trusting God? You better believe it does. This is an act of faith where we see ourselves lifting us up this emotional debt of pain that has been given to us, and instead of hanging onto it or harboring it or carrying it around with us, we see ourselves taking it and putting it into God's hands. That's, that's what we're doing. We're taking and putting it into God's hands. And we're asking him to heal us from it. We're asking him to heal us 
from it. Now, I would say growing up, this is never what I understood forgiveness as, right? It's, it's either you stuff it or you hold on to it and you bring it back up later. Or you just pretend like you've forgiven because you're a good Christian boy or girl, right? Just pretend. But you can't pretend forgiveness. You can't release someone by pretending. And so it must be taken. It has to be dealt. Someone has to pay, right? And if you're going to pay, it has to be put into God's hands. And as you see yourself placing it in God's hands, if you will, something begins to happen. We hand him the responsibility for healing us and to give us the next step. And we take it and we're putting it into the, into the hands of the one who is wise and who loves us and who is just. Most of us want justice for other people and mercy for ourselves. You want forgiveness, right? I, want, I, want, I really want to be forgiven. And for all the wrongs I do, and I do plenty, to other people and to the Lord. I want forgiveness, but for other people, especially when I don't feel like they're as repentant as they should be, or maybe they don't even know, I want justice. And what we're doing is we're taking this and we're saying, you are the just one. And I'm going to take this emotional debt of pain and I'm going to place it into your hands and you are the one who's going to heal me. Physician, heal thyself. You cannot heal yourself from sin done against you. You cannot do it. He must do it, and he will do it in time. Paul says in Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. I think what's, what's amazing is when we, we're engaging God, we're not engaging each other yet, right? We're just engaging God with the realities. What happens is something emerges when we find ourselves engaging with God in the forgiveness process. Michael uh, Hubelt says that we discover something remarkable, that I am more like the one who, um, who have hurt me, the ones who have hurt me than different from them. We discover something remarkable, that I am more like those who have hurt me than different from them. That's why we talk to God about it first. Because what we would do when we've been sinned against is we would distance ourselves, right? We, we would we begin to caricaturize people, right? I know I've used this illustration before, right? But if, but if I, you know, if you lie, you're a liar. But if I lie, it's complicated, right? I'm a multifaceted, multi, you know, I'm a multidimensional person. And so, so if I'm not telling the truth or if I was rude that time, well, there's an explanation. If you were rude, you're just a jerk, Right? I turn you into a two-dimensional person. I, you're not a holistic person anymore. You're not filled with the dignity of, of being someone made in the image of God. Here's my second Tim Keller quote from The Meaning of Marriage. And this is, this is for some of us here. If you have trouble forgiving someone, it is at least partly because deep in your heart you are thinking, I would never do anything like that. As long as you feel superior to someone, feel like you ha are a much better kind of person, you will find it very hard, if not impossible, to forgive. Are you having a hard time forgiving? Is there an emotional debt of pain that's been wrought upon you? Maybe it was a week ago, maybe it was a month ago, maybe it was 10 years ago. That, that you're carrying around and it's 
It's on you. Are you not able to forgive because you would never do anything like that? Is that's what's preventing you from moving towards God and, and asking him to help heal you, to make you whole, to make it right and good? You're caricaturizing other people. Are they two-dimensional in your mind? Well, that's the process of forgiveness. Except there's one more step. Step five is we forgive the offender then. Forgive the offender when they repent for their sake. How do you know that you're ready to do that? How do you know that you have forgiven someone? That's probably the question I get the most, by the way, when people talk about forgiveness. How do you know when you're done? Right? We all want to know, like, am I done? It's when you can will their good. When Jesus says, um, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. You know what that means? If I love you, I will your good. I, I desire for God to manifest himself in the truest, most powerful, most significant way. I want God to do good things for you. That's if I love you, right? If I'm going to pray for you, even if you're persecuting me, it's because I'm going to pray that God would do good things for you. Now, that may be conviction. I'm not saying it's not part of it, but, but I'm asking, I'm willing your good. You know you've walked through the process of forgiveness. You know that this is now in God's hands and not on your side when you can will the good of the other, the one who's inflicted you. And it takes time, and it doesn't happen overnight, but it is what forgiveness looks like. That's when you know, okay, I think, I think this is no longer on me. It's in his hands. And so we... We move towards the other, right? We forgive the offender when they repent for their sake. Now, um, now that we've released, that we've been released from judgment, from resentment, we get to release the other from the debt that they've given to us. See, we're not going for the, to them to, for their repentance to heal us, right? We're going to them because God has healed us, is in the process of healing us from their sin, and we move towards them for their sake, that they would be freed and the relationship might be restored. I had, um, when and Becky and I got pregnant in high school, um, we had, we were invited to go and meet with a pastor at the church, and um, he had been someone who was very, very close to Becky. She taught his kids how to swim, um, and I was kind of, you know, Johnny come lately, and, uh, you know, I kind of got her pregnant, so it was kind of a thing. Um, we were in I was in high school. My kid's freshman in college. And he invited us to come and see him, uh, and uh, it did not go well. Um, he was really upset. I think it was almost like it was his own daughter. And so he was really tough on me and, and I mean, uh, accusatory and blaming. How could this, how could you allow this to happen? You know, he cried. I mean, I was like, what is happening right now? You know, and I'm all of a mature 17, you know, so I really had that going for me. And um, we left that day. I said, I said, I never want to see this person again or be in their presence ever again. And um, years go by. We move on the Air Force. We come back. Ten years later, we come back. I end up being on staff at, at, at church. And it and, uh, turns out he's my boss's boss. Um, 
which is like, yeah, uh-oh, if you want to say uh-oh, it's fine. Um, and suddenly I realized this isn't, you know, there's, there's some stuff we should probably talk about. And so um, what was great is that uh, because of the journey God had been leading me on for years and coming coming to understand the gospel, it's not, it's not my record. He's not helped me go, oh, so it's not his record either. So I actually felt pretty open-hearted and pretty forgiving by the time he and I met. I said, listen, can we go grab some coffee? And, and uh, we sat down and I said, hey, listen, I know this may be something totally off your radar, but 10 years ago, I sat in front of you, and this is the experience I had, and it was really, it was painful. It, I felt, um, I felt like ashamed. I felt, I felt your anger. I, I didn't know what to do. I thought you were going to pastor us, and I felt like you'd beat me up. And, and, um, and he was awesome. He's like, I, he's like, I'm real, and he was, and he was honest. He's like, listen, I'm really sorry. I don't remember that, which I really appreciate the honesty. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it was, I was just, you know, he saw red. I don't know what happened, you know, but, um, but, um, but he said, I want you to know how sorry I am because that is really unkind, especially to a young man. Um, and he said, so would you forgive me? And, I mean, it was right there. It wasn't, I didn't have to go fe- fetching the forgiveness. It was right there, accessible and ready, because the work had already been done. And so for his sake, he, we got, he got to be freed, and we got to have a relationship with him following years that was, that was great. I actually ran into him, like, two weeks ago. And, and it's great. I, I gave him a hug. It, it's all is well. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that how we want to live with each other? Because the work's already been done, and we're not, I'm not trying to get my pound of flesh out of him, which he would have felt it. We'll talk about this more next week when we talk about um, confronting, the power of confronting. But you don't show up and say, I forgive you. That, that's not helpful. Has anyone done that to you before? Hey, I just want you to know you've done all these terrible things, but I forgive you. And you're like, I feel like there should have been another step in between here. Like... <laughs> Am I even in this conversation? You know, um, no. When they when they when they ask for forgiveness, you forgive. It's imperative for them to experience that kind of freedom, right? Of being forgiven. And forgiveness can restore relationship. Can renew and refresh something that had been broken. Which, by the way, forgiveness doesn't mean there's not consequences. Consequences relationally. Consequences uh, even otherwise. Um, there's a difference between forgiving and entrusting or trusting someone unequivocally. There's time and wisdom for that. There's discernment. But forgiveness carries the hope of renewed trust to the offender. It doesn't mandate it, though. It doesn't guarantee it either, but it does give a process to reestablish it by the grace of God. So who do you have to forgive? Who's God asking you to forgive? I, I love John's story, and he, he told, actually, Becky's the one who told me about it because he was sharing it with them in the nursery. This is what's happening while your babies are being watched. You know, people are confessing stuff to each other. It's pretty awesome, right? Um, but he'd been, I'd known John for a long time. He'd been wrestling with that for a long time. And to see him choose to say, I don't want to carry this anymore, and to respond to God's movement to say, yes, these people, and it's now, my question to you is, who, and is it now? And if the Lord's inviting you to it, would you take a step? Would you move towards? Would you, would you respond to his invitation, to his call, and to his command to become the kind of people who forgive? Why do we forgive? There's psychological reasons. Hebrews 12 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God 
that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. This lot to this passage, but it, but the idea of a root of bitterness, something that gets driven deep into the ground and it starts permeating the entire community. Some of you know this. You grew up with a mom or a dad who was bitter. Some of you have experienced friendships that are that way. It's just bitterness and anger and resentment. There's not any sense of freedom in it. And it affects relationships. And and saying, don't miss out on the grace of God by holding on to a root of bitterness and defiling yourself and other people. Now there's this other, there's this other way. And so you rot inside is what this is saying. When you're, unforgiv- when you're choosing unforgiveness, bitterness is a poison. And unforgiveness eats you up. You become more and more bitter, more and more angry, more and more hardened and withdrawn and retaliatory and judgmental. One of the things you see in the, uh, in the parable is you see this guy who's been forgiven an unbelievable amount go out, and it's so vivid, right? The parable Jesus gives is so vivid. What does he do? He grabs the other servant. He doesn't just say, hey, you owe me a bunch of money and drag him off to prison. It says that he chokes him. Like he wraps his hands around him. He chokes, he chokes him. Like that's how angry he is. Does anybody in this room think that that guy had experienced forgiveness? No. No, not at all. This is someone who, <laughs> this is someone who is already in the prison of or the cell of resentment. And then it says that the Lord, the king, sends him off to the torturers. It says that he would be locked up in prison until he's paid it all. Unforgiveness is torment. You end up in a prison of unforgiveness. That's why you forgive. And if you don't know Jesus and you're here today and you're like, I'm not sure about the, this Jesus thing, whatever, and he, his command doesn't mean, mean a whole lot to me, I just want to say, like, for your own health, for your own psychological health, like, like, choose forgiveness. Move towards, work towards forgiveness. But that's, that's just a secondary thing. Why do we forgive? Loved ones, we forgive because we've been forgiven. We forgive because we've been forgiven. You see, the power of Jesus' parable here is in the proportionality of the debt. In the proportionality of the debt forgiven, 10,000 talents. The word 10,000 there, it's like the word we get myriad from, the Greek word we get myriad from. And it's the largest number that you can have in the Greek language. It's the largest number, 10,000. I don't know if you just couldn't count bigger than that, but that's, that myriad, is, that, that's 10,000. And a talent is the largest amount of money at the time. And so what Jesus is doing here, and he says 10,000 talents, is he's multiplying the largest unit of money by the largest number known. He's saying an unestimable amount is owed by this man. If you want to do the math, it's 600 million days of a wage. 600 million, that's 200,000 years is due. And he forgives him. You see, the parable has all kinds of things going on in it. But 10,000 talents is nonsense. And anyone who's listening to Jesus tell that story is going like, 10,000 talents? If you'd send 1,000 talents, I'd been like, wow, good luck. 10,000, that's nonsense. No one can pay back 10,000 talents. And that's precisely what Jesus is trying to point you to, to point me to. Colossians 3 says, 3.13 says, 
bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are, so you also must forgive. This is like my, this is like this is our third or fourth verse, right? So you must forgive. But, but how? What, what's the why in it? Every single time, it's because you have been forgiven, because something has been accomplished for you. That's 3.13. Let's look at 3.12. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God, listen, this is what's happened for you by Christ's forgiveness. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That's how you then start bearing with one another, verse 13. And if you have a complaint against one another, forgive because you've been forgiven. That's the motivation. That's the how. That's the why. Forgiven people forgive people. That's, that's how it works, which is why we read earlier, if, if you're not able to forgive, it's possibly because you're not forgiven much. One of the reasons why I wanted two of these up here, and probably this guy I can't even lift, is, is that some of us feel like this is the amount of debt I owe God, and this is the amount of debt Joe owes me. And guys, like, we're not even in the same category here. And this sh should be far larger, but that's not how it works. The debt that we owe is 600 million days. 200,000. Can you even fathom that? No. That's how much we've been forgiven. And to the degree in which we allow that to sink into our souls, to that degree we find ourselves being able to look at any offense done to us and to say, Lord, if you will help me, I will forgive. And to the degree in which you will free me, I will be free to love them, to forgive them, to be reconciled to them if that's possible. Because I'm trusting you in it. Because your forgiveness was inestimable. How significant is your forgiveness? How, how available, how accessible is it to you? I have great news for you. We're talking about hearing and responding, right, as being disciples. If you're having a hard time feeling like my sin's not a big deal, their sin's kind of a big deal, if you're having that problem, God loves you, and his spirit, who convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment, if you will ask him, he will show you. If you ask him, you say, I'm, not, I'm having a hard time seeing this. I feel like mine are little and other people's are big. I'm not, I, you're, you're, maybe, you're, maybe you're good, Maybe those people are good. It's oh, definitely in quotation marks, right? But maybe you feel good, like you're not, you're not doing the bad, bad stuff. Like you haven't done, at least it's been a long time. Now you're okay. Like how much forgiveness has really happened to you? Ask him and he will show you. Go to the scriptures and read and allow the spirit of God to lead you. And I promise you, he will show you by his good grace to you. And you won't be asking that question anymore. And you'll be invited to be the kind of people who will forgive the grievous and the ordinary quickly. Quickly with the ordinary and patiently and honestly with the grievous. First Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind. We're very familiar with that. Love keeps no record of wrong. Literally means counts 
It does not count up wrongdoings. It doesn't count up the wrongdoings. It keeps no record of it. That's what a free person looks like. That's a forgiven person who is forgiven, feels like and looks like. There's, um, there's a story about Leonardo da Vinci. You guys remember him? Kind of inventor, artist, kind of a big deal. Um, and he had um, he'd been trying to paint this very famous painting that we're all very familiar with um, called The Last Supper. You guys ever seen that? Pretty amazing, right? He'd been working on it, and um, he had started by painting Judas. And the reason he started by painting Judas is because he had had this really terrible quarrel with another artist. And they, I mean, terrible quarrel. Everybody knew about it. And so he decided to paint Judas's face with the face of the guy that he was quarreling with. Which, if you're an artist, like, this is just great, right? Forget hashtags. This is like, for the rest of the history of the world, this masterpiece will have that guy's face on Judas. <laughs> yeah, you got nothing. You can't shame anyone compared to that. But as he found himself painting and then trying to get to the face of Jesus, he, could, he just he got stuck. He could not find himself able to paint the features of Jesus. He couldn't, couldn't get it to be right and over and over. He, found, he just he couldn't move forward. And finally came to this realization that he couldn't paint Jesus because of who he had painted Judas. And so he went over and he wiped out Judas's face. And in time, he was able to capture what we all now know as the Last Supper with the face of Jesus on it and the face of Judas not being that man. One guy commented on, on that story and he said, he discovered, Leonardo discovered the universal truth that we cannot simultaneously paint the face features we cannot simultaneously paint the features of Christ into our life and paint another face with the color of enmity and hatred. Can't do it. Can't paint, cannot paint the features of Christ into our life and at the same time paint another with the colors of enmity and hatred. Which is why Jesus tells us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. They go together. They go together. So as we come to this table, this is the table for those who understand and know and believe that they owe 600 million days worth of debt. And that with all the best effort in your life, you could never even get close. It's an invitation to the people in this room, those of us who are struggling to forgive right now. Not that those who finished it all and are nice and clean, no, that are in the process of forgiving or asking God, will you help me? And maybe today what you've gotten to ask him is, would you help me take one step forward? It's a table for those who are struggling to forgive but want to forgive because of how they've been forgiven. And this is also the table for those of you who need forgiveness this morning. Some of you walked in this morning and you need to know that though your debt is 600 million, 200,000 years worth of debt, that it is indeed forgiven, that he has had compassion on you in his son. And so as we come forward and you receive the elements, I want you to take them, go back to your seat and take them in your own time. But I want you to, to hear the words of Jesus from the cross when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That he's saying that over you. When he says it is finished, it literally means it's paid. You had a debt and it's paid. That, that's, that's what this is telling you. So let me pray and then you go and receive and then go to your seat and hear that from the Lord that we may be a people who have the power of forgiveness changing our relationships our lives, and our families to the praise and glory of God. Let's pray. Father,
my, you have loved us. You have come to give yourself as a ransom for us, to come and pay a penalty that we cannot fathom, a cumulative penalty and an individual penalty. And so, Lord, we just want to ask, would you, would you allow the full weight of the fact that we must be forgiven to rest upon us as we simultaneously hear the depth of your declaration that the debt is paid? And would that lead our hearts to worship you, that you are worthy of honor and praise? Lord, you make us courageous people who forgive, who forgive by trusting you, not by trusting ourselves or making it right with the other. We ask that to the praise of your name, for the good of your church and the glory of Christ. His name we pray. Amen. Well, if you belong to Jesus, this is your meal. So come forward and receive the grace of Christ. Come.